some of their European partners turned around and told them, well, you can't talk about autonomous weapons outside the CCW. So you've got to you've got to kick that out of the agenda. This is the Article 36 podcast where we raise a critical voice on weapons. Hi, and welcome to today's podcast episode. I'm Aldous Arabi, and joining me today is my colleague and Managing Director of Article 36, Richard Moyes. In today's discussion, we'll bring you up to date with the most recent progress on the issue of regulation of autonomous weapons systems. We'll discuss the recent global meetings on the issue and their outcomes, look ahead to the Convention on Conventional Weapons meetings, the CCW, taking place on the 6th to 10th of March, as well as the work ahead. If you are new to our work and you would like to get to know us more, please visit our website at article36.org, where you can find out more about us and what we do. So, Richard, it has been a very busy time for you as an individual working on this issue, but also for the campaign to stop killer robots pushing to see movement on the process. I know you have been attending a number of global events recently, and from the sounds of things, it seems like at least from a focus perspective, um, the issue of regulating autonomous weapons has been getting more attention and has seen stronger and more active engagement at these meetings, which were the REAIM conference at The Hague, followed by the regional conference in Costa Rica. I want to start by discussing what feels like the most recent and most significant progress in this space, which was the new political declaration from Latin America and the Caribbean, which was issued on the 24th of February, calling for urgent negotiation of an international legally binding instrument on autonomy in weapon systems. Can you start by giving us a bit of a background to this move by this state grouping and also comment on the significance of this step that 33 Latin American and Caribbean states have set in motion. Thanks, Aldous. It's just me on the podcast this time yes, around. I it think is just you. We've, we've lost Elizabeth somewhere in, <laughs> somewhere in the Costa Rican jungle. Um, yeah, I think 2023 is off to a, has been off to a busy start. And uh, this regional meeting in San Jose, Costa Rica, convened by the government of Costa Rica, I think was a really significant uh, step forward in our work to develop a, an international legal instrument on this on this issue. I mean, as you said, there was 33 Latin American and Caribbean uh, states who've joined a joint communique uh, on the issue of autonomous weapons. It's a communique that, that calls for the development of an international legal instrument with prohibitions and regulations on autonomous weapons. And again, that prohibitions and regulation structure is a is a structure of approach that we that we like. The the communique doesn't um, specify the specific uh, way forward, doesn't specify the way forward. Um, but it does bring together those states with a with a clear sense of common um, political purpose. And I think that's a that's an important uh, foundation for our work ahead. You know, frankly, um, Latin American states in the past have played a really important um, leadership role on developing uh, humanitarian responses to weapon systems. <clears throat> states of the Caribbean region, on the other hand, uh, are not so well represented in Geneva and in the discussions of the UN Convention on Conventional Weapons. So broadening out the conversation to include that wider community of states is also is also really important, especially as I think 
work at the United Nations in New York, where those Caribbean states are better represented, is likely to be important uh, over the the year year ahead. So, yeah, I think this is a really important uh, step forward for the for the year. It was very well organized by the Costa Rican government, and there was a very positive dynamic in the in the meeting room. It felt like to me there, there are differences of opinion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, amongst states in the regions about the political way forward. But despite those differences of opinion, the the general mood seemed very positive and very collaborative. So I, I think this is this is a really good start. At the conference in Costa Rica, in addition to 33 states from the region joining the political declaration, 13 states attended as observers to the conference. Um, and this includes Austria, Belgium, France, Germany, Ireland, Japan, New Zealand, Nigeria, Netherlands, Philippines, Russia, Switzerland, and the U.S., would you say that this growing participation outside the CCW in itself signifies a growing collaboration or at least like a recognition of the need to see a process outside the CCW? I'm not sure. I mean, I would like to say that, but I'm not sure I would go that far. I mean, that group of states are certainly not like-minded and uh, some of them are opposed to any progress on this issue, let alone work outside the CCW. So, so I don't think that particular constellation of states is is indicative that um, they're moving forward together. On the other hand, I think it was significant that there were observer states um, there, partly because I think for those states, they will have noted the positive dynamic in the room and the sense of, I think, positive momentum in the in the conversation. And I think for some of those states who were participating as observers, they are interested in in developing an international legal instrument. And so uh, for them, this is a chance to build relationships or was a chance to build relationships. And I think the conference has probably done a good a good job in that in that respect. So yeah, certainly these discussions helpful for just slightly normalizing the idea that we can talk about this issue away from the CCW, including with states who are not parties to the CCW or not represented in the CCW. And let's take a look at the REAM conference, which was hosted by the Dutch government and took place the week prior to Costa Rica on the 15th and 16th February. What was the aim of this conference and what were the main takeaways? Yeah, um, I mean, I think aim is the operative word in a way here. Um, I mean, the Costa Rica conference had a clear sense of purpose to it. Mm-hmm. The Costa Rican government engaged in serious negotiations with a group of states to develop this communique calling for a legal instrument. I don't get the feeling that the government of the Netherlands engaged in that kind of political process. And frankly, the meeting didn't really have a serious political normative purpose to it. Um, it was a strange meeting, frankly. It was very lavish. There was a lot of people there. A lot of money had clearly been spent. It was talking about a wider framing of issues. It was talking about AI in the military space. So not just specifically about autonomous weapons, but rather this wider world of AI in the military. To be honest, they tried to cut uh, autonomous weapons kind of out of the agenda of the meeting in a in a sort of concrete form, which is bizarre to start with. Um, I get the feeling they tried to cut it out because they they said to countries like France and perhaps others that they were going to host this meeting and some of their European 
partners turned around and told them, well, you can't talk about autonomous weapons outside the CCW. So you've got to, you've got to kick that out of the agenda. So uh, it, it was immediately a very sort of politically timid meeting. It basically said, AI is really important and we've got to be really responsible mm-hmm. in how we use it in the military, but it's kind of cool. And then it didn't set out any sort of articulations of what this responsibility really amounted to or what kind of limitations should be placed on on you know AI in that in that military space it was quite disturbing i i found actually as a as a meeting i mean i think it was disturbing because of the way that it sort of fantasized about conflict situations in the future but didn't really present any representation from experience from people who are actually affected by by conflict so it kind of felt like a you know a wealthy northern western fantasy of of you know high-tech military futures and i think that there's real dangers in this i mean i don't i I think that it's very problematic for european states at this point in time to be engaging in discussions and processes where they they claim to be setting rules and norms or claim to be pushing forward rules and norms in the world and yet they're not really it's just window dressing for their own national political audiences it undermines the seriousness of the issues it undermines the seriousness of rules and norms um it's it's genuine genuinely corrosive i think of the moral and intellectual claims to leadership that some of these states make so yeah it was a genuinely disappointing meeting in that respect they did give away very good quality water bottles as part of the uh, <laughs> as part of the swag for the meeting so okay. that was a that was a positive but but you know that was that was probably the key takeaway from my side i mean do you think that this conference might reflect the political will of the dutch government or or is that more just a reflection of the, the the conference itself it would be nice to think that that the dutch government could look at this situation and develop a bit more seriousness and political mm-hmm. ambition i mean they have a national level political position as i understand it to work for a legal instrument on this issue they weren't doing that at the reaim conference they need to start doing that and I'm sure there's going to be lots of partners who will tell them that it was a fantastic meeting and it was very well organized. And I mean, I I do, you know, I don't want to be mean spirited in the sense that I know that there were people who worked very hard on organizing that conference and those people did a good job in their work of conference organizing. The problem was the lack of political ambition from the, from the top. And, and yeah, I think the, the Dutch government, should really should really be looking at how it can move on from that uh, in with a with much more you know serious political ambition because yeah it, it was unsatisfactory now states are meeting from the 6th to 10th of march at the ccw meetings in geneva what can we expect here i'm not sure i would expect a lot of uh a very dynamic um action I think we'll see some um, new papers put on the table and that has some real positive potential. Uh, I think we just saw uh, this morning a, a 
a paper from the state of Palestine, which sets out quite a detailed analysis of the issue of autonomous weapons. I know that the United States have also been consulting on a on a new position paper for the CCW. Um, there are likely to be others. So I think there's real, you know, there's going to be some new material on the table, which should be interesting to to look at. There's two CCW meetings this year, and I guess next week is the chance for a substantive discussion of of content and to see whether people's thinking on the substance has has developed and is you know moving forward. Whether there are additional lines of convergence visible. At the same time, I mean, it has felt in some of the previous CCW discussions as though politically the group has has kind of exhausted its its potential and any substantive discussions next week or you know in in that week are probably unlikely to be captured in an outcome document from the meeting because i mean i i haven't consulted widely on this but i don't get any feeling that the the political barriers to progress and the political barriers to to ambition and 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 real movement towards negotiating an outcome i don't think those barriers have been removed and i think those barriers are not about autonomous weapons they're they're about the configuration of states in the world and the political landscape that we're that we're operating in i mean we we we're at a point where there's only so long that states can talk about how important this issue is and how they're worried that technology moves faster than diplomacy before they before they look at the situation and say well you know, this diplomatic structure is, of course, incapable of achieving the outcome. So if we're in any way serious, we have to we have to work through a different a different structure. And I think we're at that point. We're at that point now. You know, I'm somebody who's attended CCW meetings for, you know, 20, 20 years or, or something. It's, uh, um, you know, it's it's not that I have a well, maybe I could I could have developed some hostility to the forum over that period of time, but 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 I I don't think I don't think that I have. I think uh, you know I, I see utilities in the CCW. It is a space in which non-governmental organisations and other actors can articulate positions and orientations to the subject matter in a in a pretty open way. It has useful dynamics in that respect, and the conversation on this subject in the CCW has grown a useful you know policy set of policy understandings i mean i think mm-hmm. where we are now is a situation of better policy understanding than where we were five or six years ago by quite a significant degree and i think it's important to recognize that that we have you know developed through this conversation together so i don't orientate to it you know completely negatively but we know that it can't achieve outcomes and and we need to move now take that understanding and, and move towards towards outcomes. Um, ahead of the CCW meeting, Article 36 released a new short policy paper called Completely Outside Human Control, which comments on some notable arguments and use of language in a seven-state working paper submitted by Finland, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Norway, Spain, and Sweden, to the 2022 group of governmental experts in July, 2022. Can you give us an overview of the working paper that these states submitted? Yeah, this is is a paper from last year that we finally got round to writing a a little bit of analysis, um, a little bit of analysis of, and and particularly focusing on 
on one kind of provision within that working paper. Um, it's where they're calling they're calling for prohibition on certain types of systems, but they frame it in terms of uh, a prohibition on systems operating completely outside human control and a responsible chain of, of chain of command. And this is a sort of language that has appeared in the discussion previously in certain papers that have been circulated. It's been brought or rallied behind by a wider group here. And frankly, I feel a bit surprised that some of those European states feel confident to rally behind that language because ultimately it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't um, help us in the policy conversation that we're that we're engaged in. I mean, I think the idea of systems that are completely outside human control is is kind of fantastical, right? Um, if you think about activating a system, turning it on, well, that's some control, right? You, the user, are controlling when the system starts uh, functioning. And if you can only set how long a system functions for, then you have some control. You might be setting when it starts and when it ends, but nothing to do with what what happens in the (laughs) intervening space. So the idea of something being completely outside of human control uh, seems somewhat preposterous, really. And then if you add on to that, the idea that it's not only outside, completely outside of human control, it's also outside of a, a chain of command, which is kind of described in the paper itself as being the structures by which weapon systems might be deployed or organized into use, then really you end up with with such a fantastical notion of of what's prohibited that it doesn't it doesn't intersect with reality, you know, in any in any way. If you have prohibitions on the deployment and use of systems that are completely outside of human control and a chain of responsible command, well, I kind of feel like use and deployment are themselves indicative of a degree of human control and potentially some chain of of human command. So I feel like even the prohibitions themselves as formulated, their own internal logic um, falls down. So yeah, the whole point of formulations like meaningful human control, um, others have talked about appropriate human control. In fact, in that very paper, they talk about appropriate human control. The point of those formulations is to recognize that there is a line somewhere between, um, you know, complete hands-on human, you know, control at all times and yeah. completely outside of any kind of human control. Somewhere in that space, there's a line that needs to be that needs to be drawn, and that's kind of the whole challenge point. of yeah. the issue that we're trying to deal with. And <laughs> exactly the whole point, as you say, and this approach of of just situating the prohibition on systems completely outside of human control just ignores all of that, ignores the main issue and just puts us in a fantasy space. And I think, yeah, like I say, I'm surprised intellectually, uh, politically, that states like the Netherlands, I'm not wanting to pick on the Netherlands. Well, maybe I am. Uh, But, you know, states like the Netherlands that have national positions to work towards outcomes and have supported notions of meaningful human control states like Norway that also have a national position to achieve outcomes why are they rallying behind this kind of language I mean it's it's embarrassing frankly yeah 
I mean, our job is to raise the critical voice on weapons. So I'm going to join the skepticism club and just ask, do you think that maybe this language is just another political decision not to talk about the real issue? Um, or what do you think is behind the, this kind of language? Yes, I think that's pretty much exactly what it is. It's an effort to put some language on the table that is, I mean, it's so evidently, you know, true that nobody wants weapons that are completely outside of human control that I think the authors of this language thought maybe we could just get everybody to say yes to that early on we could kind of shortcut the whole debate and mm. and we can go home and yeah I mean there's some people who are actually trying to address genuine issues and challenges here mm. and for me that sort of political quick fix motivation isn't genuinely trying to address uh moral, ethical, legal challenges. So yes, it makes a critical voice on weapons relatively easy. Moving beyond the CCW meetings next week, also the work ahead post Costa Rica, more broadly speaking, where does the discussion need to go next? And what do we in the campaign need to push towards? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting year ahead. There's already some um, additional national meetings on the horizon, there's going to be a meeting in in Luxembourg, and there might be more national meetings during the course of the year. I think we're going to be looking towards the UN General Assembly. I don't think another joint statement would be enough this year. I think we need something that is politically pushing us more towards the you know the the beginning of of negotiations. Of course, good to see more states starting to recognise that they might agree with each other on some of the some of the content. And I think seeing that sort of content convergence continue during the year would be very would be very important. So yeah, I think we need to build on national level work over the period ahead, uh, nationally hosted meetings and and work towards the UN General Assembly later in the year where maybe we can start to to get this conversation on a on a more purposive track. Richard, thank you very much for your time and all the best at the CCW meetings in Geneva next week. Thanks, Alders. Looking forward to it, of course. And that's all from us at Article 36 on this episode. If you found this podcast useful, please share it with your network and don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn and or Twitter through our handle at Article 36. You can also visit our website at article36.org where you'll find a wealth of information on the policy work on autonomous weapons and other issues. Bye for now.